You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Before we get into our Encounter with God section, which is now, there's just a few things we thought we should mention. So Lyle has been away. You may have noticed that he has not been here for a couple of weeks. He will be back. In fact, do not be too sad. He is is returning. He's just having a bit of a break. And um, he'll be back, what, in a couple of weeks' time, I think. I believe the 25th. No, nope, the no. Follow- February. The February, okay. Yeah, um, start of the new month. So if you have any questions that you've been holding out to wait for him to come back, he will return. Yes. Um, also, I only just thought of this, but when we do have our inter- interviews of the day, you know, sometimes we have monthly regulars, sometimes we have weekly regulars. If you guys do have questions, if you listen regularly and you want to ask a question, Send it through to our number, 0491-064-669. If you have any questions that you want us to ask, if you you know know someone's going to be coming on the show, um, we can save it for when they're here and ask them because I sometimes have lots of questions and I get to ask them because I'm interviewing them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just wanted to put that out there. And also, if you want to get the Faith FM app, you can listen. Reception's perfect because, well, I don't know how it works. But anyway, it works. You yes. can listen to it live. We also have the podcast, which you can listen to, which is the delayed program. But just so you guys can keep on board, we have the Brecky Show. There's also a whole other bunch of Faith FM programs, but you can just download that onto your phone, whatever sort of phone you have. I'm assuming you can get it on all phones. All phones. Yeah. <laughs> Available on all phones. Yeah, on all platforms. <laughs> anyway, that's just something for you guys to know. Um, we are going to move on with our Encounter with God section. Um, as we like to tell you every day, this is the 20 million moving Bible study that happens all around the world. You guys get to join us this week. We're in Isaiah and we'll probably be in Isaiah for quite a while. Um, great book. Uh, we've been talking a bit about King Ahaz. Uh, so this morning we are in Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1 to 10, and we're going to yeah, kind of continue on uh, on the trajectory that we've been looking at um, this morning. So maybe Isaiah. before, yeah, Isaiah chapter 8, um, before we start to read, I'm just going to say a prayer before we get into the Word of God. Um, Lord God, we just want to thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. I ask that you be with us, be with our listeners. Um, yeah, just open our hearts and minds to the truth that you want to reveal of who you are. And God, just soften soften our hearts that, um, yeah, we can hear your voice and um, do your will. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Amen. Amen. Okay, Isaiah chapter 8. Do you want to read verses 1 to 10 for us? I can do. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, Verse one, it says, then the Lord said to me, make a large signboard and clearly write his name on it. Mahershalal Hashbaz. I asked Uriah, the priest and Zechariah, son of Jeberekiah, both known as honest men to witness my doing this. Then I slept with my wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, call him Mahershalal Hashbaz. For this child is old enough to say, for before this child is old enough to say Papa or Mama, the king of Assyria will carry away both the abundance of Damascus and the riches of Samaria. Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, my care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing rivers of Shiloah, but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. Therefore, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River. The king of Assyria and all his glory, 
This flood will overflow all its channels and sweep into Judah until it's chin deep. It will spread its wings, submerging your land from one end to another. O Emmanuel, huddle yourselves, uh, huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Yes, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. For God is with us. Mm, this is an amazing passage. Mm. Were there, was there anything that stood out to you as you read that? I guess it's a prophecy talking about, well, first of all, <laughs> it, this, there is a meaning behind the, the like Isaiah's son. What's his name again? Oh, Mahershalal. Baz. Bazza. <laughs> Can I call him Baz? Yeah, yeah, we're going to call him Baz. <laughs> there was a purpose for his name, I'm sure. Yes. Um, which we will cover. But um, basically, he he names his son before his son is even born. Mm. And then, he, but he does that in the witness of two honest men. And then we see Jesus, we see God saying, I like how he says, my care for the people is like gently flowing rivers. Mm. But, and then he says, but they rejected me. Yeah. And so his judgment will come and he, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River. Um, but then it ends off with saying, you know, you can make your prepare for battle, but you'll be crushed. Develop your strategy. You won't succeed. For God is with us. And it ends with God, the hope of God with mm. them, the Emmanuel mm-hmm. promise. The, so it's a, yeah. Yeah, I find that quite interesting as well. Um, yeah, so let's go back to this name situation. Mahershal al-Hashbaz. Um, oh, my Baza. This is something I find quite interesting. We spoke just like a teeny bit on this um, off it. Like the Bible has some really interesting names. Mm-hmm. And often names were given, like, sorry, the name, ah, no, the meaning of the name was mm. kind of why the child was called that. Yes. You know, so you have that with Jacob and Esau. It's yeah. like one is hairy, one is, what, a deceiver or mm. something. Um, you have this with other prophets. You yeah. see, uh, what's his name, Hosea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an amazing story in itself, but all of his kids, it's God says, okay, call it this because it means this. And it's a really interesting um way that God demonstrates a message is <laughs> like this child is a living witness of what God has spoken to you about. And yes. some of them aren't great names. No. Um, but so this guy, Mahashal Hashbaz, oh mate Baza, this name means swift is booty, speedy is prey, which basically means speed the, speed the spoil, hasten the plunder. And the name has to do with rapid conquest. Mm. So here it says, oh, what was that first we just read? Verse 4, before the child shall have the knowledge to cry my father and my mother, or, you know, like mum and dad, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be taken away before the king of Assyria. Um, So this is going to come quite quickly. But this is still all before it's come to pass. Yes. You know, so it's still this message that we've spoken of, I think, nearly every day so far, that just God has just consistently given this message of warning and hope. It's this really interesting dichotomy. Is that the word I want? Mm. We just have these two, uh, like the two sides of a coin. Yeah. Like um, same message, but kind of a different picture that we see. I just really like how you said that the meaning, the names, there was a lot of value in the meaning of, of a person's name because mm. that, they were a living a living example or living, you know, living that out. I don't know. I'm on a little tangent. I mean, does, uh, do you have like a special meaning to your name? 
Yeah, so my name, my, for those of you listening who know me as Minnie, my actual, on my birth certificate What's name. What's your government name? Yeah, <laughs> is Sherry Lynn Christie Fraunfelder. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah, so Sherry Lynn, it's basically like, oh, let me get it. I think Lynn has something to do with water, mm. water or waterfall or something. Sherry is like princess or something. So it's like. Water Prince and then Christy is Christian. A lot of sense. Yeah. It so, sounds very beautiful. Very yeah. Erythral. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my, my parents were actually very big on names that had meanings as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Apparently, there's a bit of a debate among my parents as to what that I should be called because wow. they disagreed. Yeah. Um, but what about you? Oh, my name means uh, Renee. It means reborn. Hey. Yeah. I didn't like it for the longest time, but hmm. I... I love it because I get to live up to that name. Like I get to be reborn every day and it reminds me um, to be born again in Christ. Oh, that's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, I do think names can be quite powerful. I, um, I remember hearing someone say once, oh, maybe it was in a book. And it wasn't this. It wasn't exactly to do with your actual legal name, but they were just like, you know, there's only one name you should call yourself, and that is God's beloved. Hmm. And um, I was, I didn't even know how old I was. I was, I was a teenager, uh, but it was around the time. What was it? I was probably like opening a bank account or doing something. And it was the first time I was really, you know, having to do my signature consistently for something. And so in it, my my signature has GB in it um, for God's beloved. Just because it was just something for me that was like a really profound statement when I heard it that I was like, yeah, like, who am I if I am loved by God? Like, if that's identity, then that's identity. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, not that, yeah, what's that Shakespeare thing, you know, I agree with any other name with Sylvia Sweet or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but- whatever Shakespeare. <laughs> We're not talking to you. <laughs> no, but I do think names can be incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why – well, when I look at the Bible and see the names that are given, um, it often is for, um, yeah, not just, oh, that sounds good. It's like, but what, what's the meaning? What is the identity we're associating with you? Mm. And that's why sometimes the names, I'm like, oh, that's a bit average. <laughs> like, as in to be known by something that, yeah, it's yeah. just like yeah. hairy or, but then you have the beautiful ones like, you know, that God hears us or, yeah. you know. Um, and God, Emmanuel, God with us. God Jesus with really us. embodied that. Mm. Oh, well, that's right. Hey. Okay, so um, I guess we better continue on. Um, yeah, so who's conquering who? As we've talked about, this is Assyria, and I think it was yesterday we spoke about Assyria was known to be an incredibly cruel yeah. um, empire, yeah. I guess for lack of a better word. Yeah. And so they, these were enemies of the Israelites also. Mm-hmm. We know the story of Jonah. Um, they were Assyrians, hey? They were part of the – the Ninevites were – Yes. Yeah. Yes, they were part of – yeah. Yeah, and so that's – that I'm going to go on another tangent here. That's its own incredible story because you can actually understand when we read the story of Jonah, when I read the story of Jonah, and you get to the point where the people do in fact repent and Jonah is salty about it. Yeah. He's just like, I knew you were going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to have mercy. Yeah. At the same time, on a human level, if we look at the context of who they were, you can understand why someone was like, no, these people are terrible. Mm. Why Why are you saving them? Mm-hmm. You know, just there's this interesting tension again between, well, God doesn't want anyone to die. If he can save them, he'll save them. That's mm-hmm. the option that he wants. Yeah. Um, but there's also the other side of, you know, if if they're the nation that has been warring against you, that has taken, yeah, taken your goods, taken your people, taken your land, yeah. taken your treasure, 
um, and has been yeah quite cruel in in how all that has come. You can understand why uh, why enemies were you know pretty disliked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't like yeah. the enemies. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, but okay. So and I say. Yeah, 8 verse 1 to 10. That's the passage we've just read. If you're just tuning in, um, that's where we're reading. But it reinforces the message from chapter 7. So, yeah, it's kind of just been following on from where we've been reading in the past few days. Uh, But this, I'm just going to read a little section out to you. It says, Before a child could reach a certain stage, spoils of war from the capitals of Syria and northern Israel would be taken to Assyria. Furthermore, because Judah had refused God's message God's message of assurance represented by the gently flowing waters of the Shiloh stream in Jerusalem. It would be overwhelmed by the mighty power of Assyria represented by flooding from the great Euphrates River. I'm just going to pause for a sec. I love imagery. Mm. Like imagery helps me understand something. Mm. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm all about object lessons. Yeah. And I think this is a really beautiful one because, uh, yeah, water can be on one hand so beautiful and peaceful and calming and nourishing and you know we need it or yeah it can be this destructive like flooding yeah dangerous like just get out of here just evacuate just run um and there's this interesting difference that we have a god who is the strongest being you know he can be the god of war, but he can also be the god of comfort. Well, he's both. You know. Yet he decides. Yeah, he he likens himself to a the gentle, a gentle flowing river mm. of a mm. stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and particularly in those times, that would have been really important, right? Because that, where are you getting your water from? Where are you watering your hey, flocks? Or yeah. where are you? This is a big part of your livelihood, really. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be so keen if it's flooding and going crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Um. And I just, yeah, I love this beautiful picture that the king of Assyria, they're powerful, but they're destructive. God actually has totally in his might to be able to do that, but that's that's not his go-to. Like, he doesn't have a heart for destruction and violence. Mm. Um, anyway, it was just a thought I had while we were reading that. Um it's interesting. Isaiah had two sons, right? Mm. He had oh, he had this one. Uh, let me say his name again. Mahashalal Hashbaz. There's a little section on the top of this Bible study says that says, can you imagine playing ball game with Isaiah's second son? <laughs> By the time, hey, you're like, hey, Mahashalal Hashbaz, throw me the ball. <laughs> By the time you say that, the ball is gone. Yeah. The game is over. It's yeah. time to go home. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard out, hard um, out. Well, Isaiah had two sons, right? And so one one said his the the meaning is speed the spoil and hasten the the plunder. But mm-hmm. we're reminded that his first son, his first son, uh, means the remnant shall return. And Ooh. so there's hope in I, there's there's always Beautiful. hope in the messages that God gives. Just wanted to point that out before we continue with our lesson. No, that's an awesome point, right? Oh, imagine being those boys, though. Hey, <laughs> I'm lucky. <laughs> so unlucky. No, it's not funny. Well, it is. We're not yeah. laughing. No. no, 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 not at all. Uh, but yeah, exactly as you said, right? That's such a message of hope. It's like, hey, remember, mm. remember the message that God gave you, mm-hmm. and and just going back to what I was saying before about how names can carry such identity to them. That's like we all go th- well from people I've spoken to, and in my experience. Generally, as humans, we go through experiences of trial and struggle and, and sometimes questioning. And that might look different for different people. But 
I know many, many people who we've had a conversation where we're like, oh, man, we know God's here. We know God's called us to us, but we just don't understand, like, when is this going to happen? Like, God, did we misunderstand? Is this not where we're meant to be? Like, and, you know, you have that even in an Abram, right? With Abraham, you promised me, God. You promised me a son. You, And there's something beautiful, I think, in this story that with these names, as you've just mentioned, I'm really just expanding your point. I'm not, you know, no, saying yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But is that you have this boy, like this this human person, that if you start to be like, oh, man, captivity, Assyria, oh, where is God? It's like, well, hold on. This boy's whole name, like, this was a promise. Mm. Don't forget the promise. There's someone before your eyes mm. who bears the mark of this, mm. like that God spoke to us and said he is for us, mm. you know. That's, I just think for me, I don't want my faith to be dependent on having physical reminders, but I'm going to be honest, it really helps sometimes. Mm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we have a whole – I mean, this is probably more tangents, but look – Thanks for coming along with story time for us because sometimes we just get. But no, that's, I think often spiritual is connected with a physical thing. And I think that's very much for our sake. Like I don't know that God needs that physical reminder. But, you know, you look at the Old Testament, how many um, ceremonies that they have and practices, which was like, hey, this this thing that God wants you to understand, I'm going to give you a physical way to manifest that so you can get the point. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so the question is, why was there still hope? Because although Assyria would fill Emmanuel's land, which is in verse 8, they still had the promise that God is with us, I, which is Isaiah 8, chapter 10. Um, we see a theme that permeates the entire book of Isaiah, which is though there would be judgment on God's enemies in Judah and on other nations um, in disasters, uh, like military disasters, suffering, exile, God would be with his faithful survivors of his people and restore them to their land. Um, that's powerful. Mm. I love that, that, yeah, you have two verses in, you have this overflowing, powerful, destructive king, two verses. It's like, yeah, but remember, God is with us. This is happening, but God is with us. Like, (laughs) despite, despite whatever, despite their disobedience and despite their choice to Mm. turn away from God, um, God allows them to experience the consequences of their decision, Mm. yet he still provides them hope. Yeah. And still reminds them that a remnant shall return and that God is with them. And so no matter what plans humans might make, you know, you can make up your strategies. Um, knowing that God is with you just provides such a source of, source of strength to those individuals who are really going through and suffering and going through the fire right now, um, especially the Israelites at this time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back. We're in our final part of our Encounter with God section this morning. Um, We have been talking about Isaiah's sons and their name meanings and kind of the significance of that. So we have uh, Mahashalal Hashbaz. (laughs) Um, And this is really, I find this is an incredible name because um, the child and his name now become a public prophecy, which can be tested um, by subsequent events. Um, And as I think we have spoken about, probably just over faith fm the journey of the show is that the bible is this incredible book where we get this evidence for our faith that we can test things against and you know oh where's that verse i've forgotten but it's basically god saying hey 
you can test the prophets, whether of me, like if, if what they say comes to pass, you know, they're a true prophet. And now Isaiah has his own actual son who is part of, part of this. Um, so, cause we read in verse four that, yeah, before, before the child shall even be able to call his parents, his parents, essentially mum and dad, um, they would, uh, sorry, the king of Assyria would come and take them away. Um, so that's kind of gives you a time frame mm-hmm. too, that you can look back and be like, oh, Okay, so we have been speaking about Ezekiel, we've been speaking about Isaiah and some of these prophecies and the fact that the people just consistently, well, I don't know if I want to say even make mistakes. It feels like they make conscious decisions, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like a mistake to me feels like, oh, I put my keys down somewhere and I don't know where to find them. <laughs> this is like an intentional, we don't care what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but despite this, um, God was still willing. So I have a question for you, Renee, mm-hmm. which maybe we can talk about in this last little section. How can we take this principle and apply it to ourselves personally, especially when we fail and fall in our own spiritual life? Maybe mm. you've had this experience in your own life. Maybe you've, I don't know, talked to others about it. Mm. Um, I think I think falling and failing in your spiritual life is something that you should expect and it's something that is mm. that we all go through, right? Um, but what I'm very encouraged by – uh, okay, here, here we, let me go back a little bit. Our natural reaction when we fall mm. um, and when we struggle is to move away from God, to hide ourselves from God. That's what Adam and, D- a- Adam and Eve did in the- <laughs> Adam and Eve. <laughs> that's a, not a, anyway, that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they first sinned against God. And that's something we all experience in our own life. Like we were talking about conflict resolution earlier. Yeah, and yeah. I was just, while David was talking, I was just remembering, wow, the conflicts I've had, how mm. have I dealt with it? Well, often if I know I'm at fault, I'll hide. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's, yeah. it's a hit to your ego. It, it really pushes your pride. It really shows you that you're like oh i'm you know i'm i'm at fault here and so i want to i want in that i want to hide myself and when we sin against god we want to hide from him because Mm. i guess we relate in our mind uh, God, we, we make God as if he's like a, a person who when we do wrong to them, they'll get mad at us and maybe they'll ignore us or maybe they'll yell at us and maybe they'll say mean things to us. But very much that is not the case with God, right? God is God. He is He is not like us in that way. He's he, he is loving. And if anything, in response to our sin, what God did is that he came to be with us mm. and he's constantly fighting to be with us. So I guess when you go through problems, it's really, really important to learn experientially that God is with you um, and that transformation comes by beholding, by beholding you become. That's yeah. what an author, Ellen G. White, says in her book. And so I guess be with God, behold him, be in his presence, um, allow him to touch your life and touch the parts in your life that you don't want him to touch. Maybe there are, <laughs> yeah. I think we talked earlier this week about, you know, addictions and how that can also really, you know, there's a saying that says, there's a quote and I forgot which book that's, that it's, it's a, it's a book about addictions and becoming free. And it talks about like anything in your life you can do better when you are free from addictions and that's mm. what god wants to do in our lives but when we're in when we have addictions we want to hide and isolate ourselves and so 
I guess, um, you, I don't know, you might be addicted to your pride or uh, whatever it might be, um, coming to God, being in his presence, allowing him to touch your life and transform, transform your life. And when you make those mistakes, constantly just coming to him, come to God, come to God, know that he embraces you, know that he is with you because there mm. is hope. There is always hope. Ah. That was awesome. I just, we actually have a few more minutes. I was like, oh, we could almost stop it. That was was a great little. (laughs) Absolutely though. And I, so I was just reflecting last night or yesterday sometime on a song I wrote. I'm not a musician as in. No, but you express, you. Yeah. Is that one way you like to express yourself? Yeah. I just find it. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I just noodle. I see you. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, I don't even know why. Anyway, so they're very basic and, and it's really just about like I need uh, I need to kind of be able to process this mm. and I just find it a really helpful way for me to, mm. to do that. Anyway, so a couple of years ago I wrote this song and it was a really interesting one for me to personally write because I was just really oh, – convicted probably isn't the word, but I was just really impressed by the fact that – I mean, I have no problem with singing other Christian songs and I think often – I, I have been able to sing songs that someone else has written. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to pray. I just didn't know I had the word. Like, I didn't have the words. That's that's what I mean. Um, but I was just really impressed. Like, oh, I need to sh- share my story because it's my story. Even though those are words which, yeah, it's true. But how do I express it from, from my place? Mm. Anyway. If anyone were to listen to the song, they would not think it a praise song. <laughs> like it doesn't sound like your typical praise song. But for me, it was really the first time I had on a personal level been like, okay, God, in this situation, mm. how have, what have I seen of you? And um, wow. yeah, and it was just a really interesting one for me to write because it was a time that I wasn't loving life. <laughs> oh, no, like it was good. There was so much beauty and so much goodness, but just I was, I felt very broken by a circumstance I had kind of got myself into Mm. and so you know it was kind of this god I suck like I'm just not it like the thing I want to be I'm not that you're not there and I didn't I don't you know it was kind of this god I suck like I'm just not it like the thing I want to be I'm not that you're not there and I didn't I didn't know I was so far from that until this circumstance kind of revealed it Mm. um and my sis said to me, she said, you know, I'm not, she said, I'm not glad you're going through this. I'm not glad for the choices and the consequences. But she said, but but what if if you hadn't been here, you would have never known your need for grace in the way you do now. And so I just kind of wrote this song and, and a big part of it is, yeah, just realizing how trans- transformative grace is mm. and is meant to be in our lives. And just what you were just sharing, I think that that hope that we can have is huge you know by beholding we become changed yeah. and that and that's what oh that's right that's what you said that made me think of it so there's this section in there i can't even remember exactly the words but it's basically i was just like what it felt like to me at the time was um you know that god was just kind of lingering like he was just there and it was this tension between me being like yeah want to hide i was like you you're lingering like you might stay but i but that's the thing that i can't take like but, but, but actually please don't go away but i don't want you to see me but don't leave me alone wow but yeah. then as as you're here as you're lingering you start to change all the things in me that I can't face by myself today, you know. And, and that's the, kind of the idea of it because I was just, yeah, just found that in in the place of need, I think that's where we go, oh, Jesus, I need you to change me. Mm. And I really like that you just articulated that I think often we look at addictions and those are the obvious things, but, man, maybe your thing is anger. Yeah. 
like that you cannot let go of. Maybe your thing is pride. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, the way you approach the world and other people and yourself. But mm. we have a God who's like, just come. Amen. Come. Yeah. It's not your job to change it. You're going to mess it up. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now come time for... Question of the day. Oh, yes. I was enjoying the jingle so much. I was like moving Getting along. into it. And I forgot that I was supposed to do the question. Okay. Um, so the question for today is, um, it's, it's, it's from Ezekiel. And so in Ezekiel, in the last few chapters, it talks about a temple there. Now, the question is, is that temple... Is it a literal temple? Um, is it a temple that must be built now? Or is it a temple that will come when Jesus comes? What's the go with the temple there? Mm. Okay, so Ezekiel, as you guys know, if you listen, is my favorite book of the Bible. But there is many things I don't fully understand. Mm. But that being said, so if we're looking at Ezekiel, so in the last few chapters, chapters 40 to 48, there's actually a whole lot of different schools of thought about the meaning of this and how can we know. It's a... It's a book that isn't super studied out in depth. So there are heaps of commentaries that are out there. But as I said, there are a few different um, perspectives. But what I'm going to tell you today is that Ezekiel's temple is not talking about a millennial's temple. And neither is it saying that this temple is to be built before Jesus comes. Oh, okay. So in the 25th year of their captivity. So if we remember the Israelites go into captivity. Um, so you have all the prophecies not in Isaiah, which we were reading about um, in our Encounter with God section, but later the Babylonians come, they go all go into captivity. They're there for a while and then we have King Cyrus who comes in. And in I uh, sorry, not in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, this prophecy is given that they will be captives for 70 years. In Daniel, we see that he talks about them being captives for 70 years, so he knows they're going to go out. Uh, but yeah, in the 25th year of their captivity, 14 years after the sanctuary had been destroyed, God gave Ezekiel this pattern, and it's a pattern of another temple that was to be shown to the house of Israel. The most holy place alone was the same size as that of Solomon's temple, which mm. was huge. It's like This was a majestic temple, um, but it was a conditional thing. So it was offered to the house of Israel, then in captivity, so while they are still not free, on the condition that they would be ashamed of their in- iniquities and put them away. If they did this... God would cause the building to be established and this would cause the 12 tribes to return. So if you guys want to look at it later, Ezekiel 43, 10 to 11 says, You son of man, show the house to the house of Israel uh, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. Let them measure the pattern. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out and the going outs and the coming in and all the forms and all the ordinance and all the forms thereof. And all the laws and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form and all the ordinance and do them. This is the law of the house upon the top of the mountain. The whole limit is round and round and about shall be most holy. This is the law of the house. But the house of Israel were not ashamed. And we actually see see this um, quite a few times in the Old Testament that that's I want to heal you. I want to save you. But. I can't restore you until you're willing to repent. I see. Because you're on your own path to self-destruct completely. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, so the house of Israel, they're not ashamed. The decree for Israel's restoration went out. All of Israel were to go back to the land where God's abundant blessing was promised. 
And Second Chronicles 36, verse 22 and 23, it says, Now in the first year of the king of Cyrus, the word of the Lord was spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah that it might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of king of, uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms kingdoms of earth has the Lord God of heaven given me. He has charged me to build him a house in Israel, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord, his God be with him and let him go up. But of the 12 tribes, basically 10 of them didn't go. Only Judah and Benjamin um, went up and with a tr- with a portion of the tribe of Levi and a few others, which we see in Ezra. So Ezra 1 and 5 and 7 and 7 says, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, the priests, the Levites, all with them whose spirit God had raised to go build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And all they that went about with them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, gold, goods, with beasts and with precious things, besides all that they offered willingly. There went up some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, singers, the porters, the Nethanims, unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. But basically, this is our little concluding point, is that because the house of Israel rejected the inestimable, inestimable, yeah, that's the word I want, blessings that God had given them, this this sanctuary was never erected. So this was a conditional promise. Yeah. Um, beautiful but conditional thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM